Hey. How are you? If you're new, we, we do this every week, okay? The moment the bumper's over, like, we just clap, okay? So, so glad you're here. Um, here's the deal. Uh, my name is Ryan. If you're new today, uh, you found it. You found the best thing in Spokane Valley. Seriously, you did. You found it. So seriously, thank you uh, for being here today. Uh, I was here for seven years, moved away about 14 weeks ago, and I'm back today uh, and today alone. So um, good to be here. Uh, incredibly, incredibly thankful. It's kind of like family reunion uh, in a way. It really is kind of like family reunion. Uh, getting to come in. I've spent the last five days here uh, spending time with people individually. Um, but can you do me a favor? Can you do me a favor? Let's real quick, okay? It's 930. I'm going to do something real quick, okay? Uh, I got my family wants to see you guys, so hang on. Hang on. Smile. Cool. Awesome. Uh, my family misses you guys terribly. I miss you guys terribly. Seriously, uh, it's been family reunion. But can, can you do me a favor? One, one favor, aside from that picture there. Can you do me a favor? I need you uh, to have a conversation with Dan Shields, our lead pastor here, okay? And, and the conversation needs to go something like this. Hey, Dan, uh, can you bring Ryan back like once a month? <laughs> can we just make that happen? Um, because I've been here for five days and I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to a lot of people. My voice is actually going out already. And, and here's the thing. I, I, want, I wanted more time with, with every single person. So if you ever find yourself in Omaha, Nebraska, if you ever find yourself there, you have a place in my basement, okay? You, you have a place. Come stay with me anytime you want to. Some of you might be new today and you're like, this guy just invited me to my house. Yep, welcome, welcome to Valley of Your Life, okay? Welcome to Valley of Your Life. Seriously, um, it has been a joy and an honor and, and so thankful and grateful for the lead pastor here, Dan Shields, to invite me back, to have an opportunity to come back and to spend some time with you guys today. Seriously, grateful for the opportunity to be here. Um, uh, can, I, can I start with a story? Can we start there? <laughs> I mean, all right, see you later, guys. Um, can you imagine? Like, you're like, no, okay. I don't know what to do now. Um, so it, it happened a few weeks back. A few weeks back, I was, it was a Wednesday morning. I woke up that Wednesday morning, and uh, before my feet hit the ground, I, I prayed a simple prayer. And the prayer went something like this. God, show me who to love today. God, if you could just show me who to love today, God, that, that's all I want to do is just love people well today. And so uh, I prayed that prayer and got out of bed, and, and then I went to my office, and we had meeting after meeting after meeting, and the meetings were going well, and I was like, I'm loving people good. I'm, everything's great. And then in one of the meetings that I was leading, my wife texts me, and it says, call me. And so I disregarded and like, led the meeting. Because, you know, that prayer that I prayed, God, show me who to love today, disregard my family, obviously. And so I'm leading a meeting. And then the phone rings. And I'm like, okay. So I pick the phone up. And I'm like, excuse me, guys. This will only take a second. I step out of the meeting. And I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, what, what's going on? She goes, the vans broke down, and I need you to come and get us. I said, well, where are you? She goes, I'm at the Omaha Library. It's about a 20-minute drive from my office to where she's located. I'm like, okay, I'll cancel this meeting I'm in because God told me, like, show me who to love today. It must be my family. And so I cancel the meeting. I step out. I drive down to the Omaha library, and I go to pick her up. We jump the van. We get it up and running. And I'm like, hey, while we're here, let's just run to the auto parts store. We'll run to the auto parts store real fast. We'll find out what's wrong with it and maybe get it fixed today. And so we run to this auto parts store, and, and we, uh, you know, get it there. And the guy comes out, and he's, he runs the diagnostics on it, and he's like, yeah, it's the alternator. I'm like, okay. I start asking the guy, I said, hey, where's the nearest mechanic that we can go to? And my wife stops me. She says, no, 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 I I've got somebody. I'm like, you got, we've been here for a few weeks. The this guy lives here. He probably knows mechanic. He works at the auto parts store. Like, let's find, and she goes, no, no, no. Somebody came to our house today, and while they were working on something at the house, they handed me a business card. And on that business card was a mechanic. And so I think we should go there. Like, God kind of put this on our heart to, to say, yes, let's go there. And I'm like, okay, there's my prayer. God, show me who to love today. Obviously, I'm supposed to go love this mechanic. And so uh, I'm like, well, where, where's this, where's this uh, business card? And she goes, well, the business card's back at the house. <sighs> okay. 
Like, remember, my prayer was, show me who to love today. And I'm, I'm struggling to love in this moment, okay? Because I had work to do. I had all these things to do. It, my, my day is completely rearranged. And now I've got to, like, drive back to the house. And so I follow her back to the house. We get back to the house. She runs in to get the business card. The van dies in my driveway. Got to jump the van one more time. Here we go. Well, this time it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I live across the street from an elementary school. Now, you know, you know, it's 3 o'clock. Every parent is there to pick up their kid. Like, every parent is in line. Our street is just, because you know, like, when you go to your school to pick up your kid, you, ha- you look at the streets across, or the, the houses across the street, and you're like, I'd hate to live there. <laughs> like, that person never gets out of their driveway. That's us. And so here we are. My wife's trying to back out, and I'm trying to back out of our driveway, and we just can't get out. And finally, somebody's nice enough to let my wife get out, and so she gets out, but they're not nice enough to let me get out. And so she rolls a couple, couple cars in front, and then I finally find a brake, and I just I step on the gas, and I get out, and I'm rolling right behind her. And we're about three to four houses down from my house, and all of a sudden, I get rear-ended by a 16-year-old who was texting while driving. Don't say, oh, you do that too. And so he, he texts me, or he, he hits me. And remember, my prayer that morning was, God, show me who to love. So now I've got to love this 16-year-old, right, who was texting while driving, who just, uh, you know, his airbags went off. Like, he smashed me, smashed me. And my wife saw all this happen, and my wife has a couple cars in front, right? And so she pulls over to the center of the road, van door flings open. She comes running, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. And so I begin talking with a 16-year-old kid, and he's distraught because now his insurance premiums are going to go up, and he's got to call his parents, and his parents are divorced, and he's got to call mom and dad, and it's going to be a mess there. He, he warned me ahead of time. He's like, hey, l- listen, man, this is going to get bad. <laughs> Show me who to love, God. I said, so what, what's going on, man? He goes, dude, I skipped school today. <laughs> awesome. Poor LeBron. And so his mom and dad show up, and they're, they're distraught, and they're angry at the fact that he totaled his car. They're angry at the fact that he skipped school. Like, they're just yelling at each other. And while they're yelling at each other, I'm on the phone with the cops. Like, hey, um, this might be domestic. Um, no. <laughs> I'm saying, hey, we had an accident. Can you please come? And so the, the cops come, and, and the cop had just started his shift. And so he didn't want to start his shift with all of this. And so I'm trying to love the cop in the moment, right? just trying to spend time with him. And my wife's van, remember, she stopped, so the van died in the middle of the road. And the cop's like, what's the deal with that van over there? We're like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. That had nothing to do with the accident. It's just dead. Remember my prayer, God, show me who to love, show me who to love, show me who to love. And so I'm, I'm loving on LeBron and his mom and dad, loving on this cop. Finally, we get all that settled, all that squared away. We call the mechanic to make sure they're still open. We start rolling towards the mechanic. About a, we jumped the car again, obviously. We got real close to the mechanic, about a block away from the mechanic, and my wife's van dies one more time. But this time, let me just set it up for you where it dies. You ever been on division at 5 o'clock? <laughs> right around I-90, like an interchange at I-90 right there? That's where we are, except it's I-80, and it's just 5 o'clock. Cars just want to get home. It's a it's terrible day. The, the weather's kind of turning bad. It's kind of nasty out, and so everyone's just like, no one wants to help. And so I pull up right behind my wife's van because there's no way that I can get up and around her to jump her van. And so I, I pull up right behind her, and I do what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to become the man, and I'm going to stand outside, and I'm going to direct traffic and try to make eye contact with one person. All I need is one person who prayed the exact same prayer that I prayed that morning. <laughs> That's all I need. 
And so I get out of my car and I'm standing there and I'm trying to direct traffic, just trying to get like one who will like notice me. Meanwhile, my wife is just crying in the van, obviously. Like, why wouldn't she, right? Like, why'd we move here? Why'd I marry him? All, the, all these things. <laughs> and I'm directing traffic. And as I'm directing traffic, uh, people are honking at me. People are waving at me. People are telling me I'm number one. It's awesome. <laughs> Nebraska, you got to love it, right? Finally, I make eye contact with one guy. There's this guy in this red pickup truck. And he comes rolling by me. And it, he looks at me and kind of gives me this head nod like, I've been waiting my whole life for this, brother. I'm like, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Come on, come on. And he comes flying around us and tolls the greatest U-turn I've ever seen in my life. Just wheels are turning, right? Black marks going up. Like, you just hear this. It's just smokes flying everywhere. In the process, I think he popped the hood of his car, and the hood comes up, and the cables are flying out. It's like a MacGyver move and Jack Bauer all in one. All the millennials are like, who is that? So he pulls around, jumps my wife's van, all the while I'm just directing traffic. Hey, how are you? How are you? He gets it done. He flips another U-turn, jumps on I-80, and he's gone. Never, never talked to him. We get the van to the mechanic. We get it fixed. Kanye sings a song. It's all great. <laughs> Millennials, I got you. There you are. A couple weeks later, I was preaching. I, right now, I have the opportunity to preach quite a bit at the church I'm at. Uh, our lead guy's on sabbatical, so I've had the privilege to speak quite a bit. And I got done preaching one weekend, and, and I walked off stage, and I went to the lobby, much like I do here often, where I go to the lobby and I stand, except they don't have an elevator to stand by. I've got another spot. And I'm just standing there and just walked by some guy, and some guy, just, he walks up and he goes, did you get your van fixed? I said, you're not my mechanic. And he goes, no, I was the guy in the red truck. Oh, MacGyver? <laughs> you, you go to our church? And he goes, you know, I've been going to this church for a long time. And he goes, and we have this mantra around here to live and love like Jesus. And so every single day I wake up and I ask myself, how can I live and love like Jesus? And it was one of those moments where you're like, God's doing something in this place. And I say that to say this, God's doing something here as well. And my hope is, is that you wake up tomorrow morning before your feet hit the ground in your house, that you would ask that prayer, God, show me who to love today because people need this place. Like I said earlier, I believe that this place is the greatest place in the Spokane Valley area. I believe that with all of my heart. And so my hope is, is that tomorrow when you go into your workplace or into your family or into your neighborhood or whatever it is you do tomorrow, the places and the faces that you see tomorrow, that you would have that same mindset to say, I need to invite and invest people to this place. And so Christmas is coming. And so who are you thinking about inviting to Christmas? Who are you thinking about that needs to find this place, to find hope in this place, hope in Jesus, not the church, but in Jesus, in this place, this Christmas? And so I hope that you've got someone in your mind, and I hope that you're praying about that person this next week. I hope that that's something in your head. But, but what do we do, right? What do we do in moments like that day that I had? That day that I had where it was just kind of crazy and chaotic and all these things kept coming and all these things kept coming. How do we navigate through life that way? How do we do it when, when life hits us sideways? In fact, I saw a picture a few weeks back on social media and maybe you saw this as well. It's about a little girl who was on her way to her first day of school. And while she was on her way to her first day of school, her parents took a picture of her and they took a before and an after. Have you seen this? Uh, check this out. <laughs> Same day. Same day. 
what do we do when, when life hits us that way? I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're in this series called The Why Behind the What. And the why behind the what is simply this, that Jesus says some things that we don't know why he says them, uh, and then he kind of tells us why he says this. And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6 today, and we're going to focus on an area that I think all of us probably struggle with. All of us probably struggle with this area. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, goes like this. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Literally can be translated, if you're worrying, stop it. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> How absurd would that be, right? See you guys later. That's what Jesus says. He, just, he goes, hey, if you're worrying, stop it. And it's not very helpful to hear that, right? It's not very helpful to hear that, but then he's going to give us some context as to why. Now, out of curiosity... How many of you would call yourselves world-class warriors? Anybody in here? Call yourself? Yeah. Like, if there's a PhD in worry, you've got it, right? And I believe that worry is actually kind of built around this idea of control. How many control freaks we got in the house? Anybody kind of a control freak? Yeah. The hands went higher there. Like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Now, if you're sitting by somebody who is a control freak that didn't raise their hand, would you just remind them that they are a control freak? See, I think that there are parts of worry that are okay. There are parts of worry that are okay. I believe that concern is okay. I think concern is all right. I think we should be concerned about certain things. I think we should be concerned about our health. I think we should be concerned about our family. I think we should be concerned about our friends. I think we should be concerned about our job and our finances. I think we should be concerned about some things. Concern is simply this. Concern is showing care for someone or something that we love. That's concern. But where concern gets bad is when we go from just, just caring about them to trying to control them. Worry is concern gone bad. That's what worry is. Worry is concern gone bad. Concern is caring for someone or something. Worry is trying to control someone or something. And worry takes our thought process out of caring for someone and then trying to control it. Worry is assuming responsibility for something that God never intended you to carry anyway. I've heard it this way. Worry never fixes tomorrow, but it ruins today. It always ruins today. And so Jesus says, don't worry. But then Jesus continues in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. They don't stress. And God seems to take care of them. And some of us are here today. We're going, birds? We're supposed to look at birds, Jesus? I got a job interview tomorrow, Jesus. I got financial stuff tomorrow, Jesus. I've got relational stuff, Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. But you have to remember the context in which Jesus says this. He's on a hillside, Sermon on the Mount, and he's there and he's speaking, and the people see the birds all around him, so he's using the props all around him. And he's saying, you and I, we have an extraordinary advantage over these birds because we can actually prepare. We can actually prepare. So why would you worry? And then he asks a question that is at the heart of the issue when it comes to worry. He says, do you even think you're valuable? Do you think you're valuable? It's a heart issue question for all of us. Many of the things that we worry about come back and stem back from our identity. I spoke with the high school students on Wednesday night. It was a, a privilege and an honor to, to have the opportunity to come back and speak to the high school students. And we kind of camped out on this idea that, that we mistake, oftentimes we mistake our descriptors for our identity. 
That we describe ourselves a certain way, and when we describe ourselves a certain way, what happens is we then think that's who we are. For instance, to describe me, you might say, well, Ryan, you're short, that's, that's a descriptor of me. Ryan, you're bald, that's a descriptor of me. Ryan, you're a dad, you're a husband, those are descriptors of me. You're a pastor, those are descriptors of me. But guess what? None of that is my identity. None of that is my identity. My identity is found only in and through Jesus Christ. That's where my identity is. I'm a son of the king. You're a son and a daughter of the king. That is your identity. And far too often what happens is we mistake our descriptors for our identity. And Jesus says, do you know how valuable you are? You are so valuable that the God of heaven, the God who created heaven and earth, the God who, who breathed life, the God who spoke and everything existed, the God who, who spoke and he made antelopes and cantaloupes, that same God who spoke everything into existence loved you enough to send his son to live and to die on a cross for you. Do you know how valuable you are, son and daughter of the king? That's what Jesus is getting down to. He's getting down to the the root issues of we're worried and concerned about all of these things. But know this, your heavenly father, your heavenly father knows what you need. He's gonna say this here in just a second. Verse 27, he picks it up and says this. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor is dressed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Some of you, you woke up today, and you said, man, I just hope that I hear a word from God. I wish God would speak to me today. Here's your word from God. It's simple. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He already knows. He already knows. And so the burden that you're carrying, the weight that you're carrying, the the worry that you're carrying, listen, your heavenly father already knows and he already knows what you need in the midst of that. Jesus stood on a hillside and he said, I can't explain it, but I can tell you this. Your father knows what you need. He knows better than you, and he knows better than me. Verse 34 says, therefore, so if he knows, if he knows, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said, that's right. Each day has its own trouble. Every day we wake and walk into trouble every single day. I saw a picture of this this a couple weeks ago on social media about a guy who was going to lunch or he's taking his lunch to work every day and he found that people kept stealing his lunch. And so he decided, you know what, I'm taking matters into my own hands. And so check out what he did for lunch this day. He made some fish tacos. Tastes like Taco Bell. (laughs) Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so that's why it makes absolute sense. If your Heavenly Father knows what you need, it makes absolute sense for Jesus to say, so stop worrying. And that's where comes the hard part, right? It's because all of us are like, yeah, okay, cool. But how? And this is where Jesus is brilliant. This is the why behind the what, if you will. This is where Jesus gives a one-step solution for worry. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus gave us one step, an antidote for, wor- for worry? Wouldn't it be awesome if he just said, hey, this is what you should do? He did. One step, verse 33. But, 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 but. 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Jesus says, you want to stop worrying? You, you want to take concern and not allow it to go into the negative parts and the bad parts of worry? Seek me. It literally can be translated, run after me. Run after the kingdom of God. Run after relationship with Jesus. What he's really saying is he's saying, grow your perspective. Grow your perspective of who I am. Grow your perspective of what I can do. Grow your perspective of my authority and my power of how I can step into your life. The truth is that all of us have some concern in our life. And for many of us, we've got concern that's now going bad, and that concern is turning into worry. And for many of us, we're carrying heavy burdens, and these things begin to weigh us down. And some of the things that you're in right now are really, really complicated. Some of the things you're in right now are really latched into your life. And we can't just throw phrases out like, hey, don't worry, without actually giving you an action step. So the action step is simple. Seek, run after the kingdom. Run after the kingdom. And so many of us are like, well, that, that's fine and dandy, but Ryan, you don't understand what I've got going on. I've got relational stuff that I'm struggling with. And I've got health stuff that I'm struggling with. And I've got this financial stuff that I'm struggling with. And all of this is causing worry in my kids and their schooling. And all this stuff is causing more and more and more stuff. And I've got a to-do list that's so long that I don't want to get past number four because the moment I get past number four, it's so daunting. And I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And we've got all of this stuff and all this stuff saying, man, all of this is just weighing me down. Let me ask you, do you think you're a pretty big deal? Do you think you're, you're so big and your to-do list and your worries are so big that God can't handle it? You think you're that big of a deal? Because I know I'm not. I know that when I bring concerns and worries to God, God's not just interested in fixing my stuff. God's interested in a relationship with me in the midst of it. He's, he's interested in jumping in with me, and I think it all comes down to this one category when it comes to worry and concern. I think it comes down to this. Am I trying to live an independent life? Or am I trying to live dependent upon him? See, because Jesus is interested in our circumstance, but he's also interested in our relationship with him. You can focus on the God, or you can focus on the problem before you, or you can focus on the God who is beside you. And my hope is that all of us would see the problem and the concern and the worry that we're carrying. And instead of just, just looking at that and allowing it to, to be this thing that, that drives us and causes us to worry and worry and worry and keeps us up at night and ties us up in knots, that instead we would simply do what Jesus calls us to do, to seek his kingdom first, to run after him, to cry out to him. And as real and as legitimate as your concern may be, as real and legitimate as that worry may be, understand this, when you cry out to God, he runs to the cry. Parents, you know this. When your kids cry, you run to them, if you're a good parent. When you hear your kid crying, you run. When you see your kid in pain, you get there. And so today, for many of us in this place, you might be here today, and, and you, you're carrying heavy stuff. You're carrying relational stuff. You're carrying financial stuff. You're carrying burden after burden after burden, and you're tired of carrying that. All I'm going to ask you to do today is simply this, to cry out to him. And he will run to the cry. See, pointing your worry in God's direction is worship. Pointing your worry in any other direction is worthless. Scripture says it this way. Scripture says, you might be hard-pressed, but you're not crushed. 
You might be persecuted, but you're not abandoned. You might be struck down, but you're not destroyed. Jesus says we can bring all of this stuff to him and lay it before him. He's waiting. He's ready for you to cry out to him. He's waiting for the invitation. He's eager, and he's ready. And he may not change your circumstance. I know that's mind-blowing. He may not change your circumstance, but he will get in the middle of your circumstance with you. And so let's take a second right now. Maybe you're here today, and you've never brought stuff to Jesus before, ever in your life. You've never, ever, ever brought sin and shame and guilt and pain and all of the stuff that you're carrying, all the worries that you've got, your past, your mistakes, your failures, you've never brought that to Jesus before. If that's you and you're here today and you're like, hey, whatever he's talking about, a carefree life, a worry-free life, a concerned life, but not a worry-free life, like, I might be in on that. If that's you today and you came with somebody, I just want you to tap their leg and be like, hey, that short, bald guy, whatever he's saying, I'm in. Maybe you're here today and you, you've, you've done that before. But you came with somebody today and you're like, hey, I think we got to prioritize some stuff. I think we got to fix some stuff. We'll come back to you in a second. Jesus is waiting. He's waiting for you to stop trying to live an independent life of him. Because independence, it's heavy, right? When you live by your own strength, when you try to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, as noble as that attempt might be, Things get heavy. And as much as your pride doesn't want to give in to that, that you don't want to live an independent life of him, as much as you want to do that, as much as your pride begins to get in the way and get in the way, Jesus never intended you to live your life independent of him. He intended to live your life dependent upon him. And so our natural bend and our natural uh, idea is to take responsibility and take responsibility and take responsibility. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Depend on me. Bring these concerns. Bring these worries. Bring this to me. And so how do we do that? How do we seek his kingdom first? I'm glad you asked. I had to put habits in my life, and maybe you do as well. Some habits in my life to get me to the spot where I'm seeking him and seeking him and seeking him. And let me say this, none of this is groundbreaking. None of this is brand new information. But maybe it's a simple reminder for those of us that are on this journey together. Just be reminded how much God loves us and how big he is in spite of our circumstances. So let's walk through some of my habits. First one is worship. Worship. And I'm not talking about uh, Sunday morning and Thursday night worship, but living a life of worship. That song, Good Grace. Do you guys like that song? That new song you learned today? Good Grace. Woo! Good stuff. It's been on repeat in my car since September. My wife got in my car the other day. She's like, do you ever not listen to this song? I'm like, nope, all the time. Just living out this idea of worship. Because when you do that, like, you understand how strong and how big and how faithful he truly is in light of whatever it is that you're going through. You realize how big he is in worship. The second habit for me is just getting in God's word. And that hasn't always been a priority of mine. I know you're like, the pastor? Seriously, things get in the way and time comes up and I understand all the excuses because I'm a human being just like you. But getting into God's word to realize that as I read about the faithfulness and the goodness and the love that even when I'm, I'm not, not feeling all up for it, and even when I'm feeling condemned, he calls me into his presence through his word. Another one is prayer. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control. Prayer reminds us that we've got someone that we can take all of our worries and all of our concerns to and lay them at his feet and say, here, I'm tired of carrying this alone. That's what prayer is. My guess is that when you start to worry about something, and this, I'm saying this for myself, when you start to worry about something, oftentimes what you'll do is you'll start talking to somebody else about it, right? What if you flip that on its head and start talking to Jesus about it first? 
prayer reminds us that if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. The next one is giving. You're like, oh, this guy, they brought a guest in, he's gonna talk about giving? Yep. Because my guess is that the, the thing that you're probably worried about has something to do with finances. And that's why Jesus said, hey, give something in my name. When you give a portion away in my name, it says that you're not in control. And so give it away. The last habit is communion. I love communion. It's one of my favorite things about church, getting to gather together in a group of people like this to take a bread and to take some juice and just be reminded that Jesus Christ came and lived and died for me, that I'm valuable enough that he would come for me. See, we need habits to remind us of our dependence upon God. So let me ask you, anybody carrying some heavy stuff in here? Anybody carrying stuff that you're like, man, I'm tired of carrying my guilt and my shame and my past and my relationship stuff and this family stuff and this financial stuff. Moment of solidarity, just a moment of solidarity in this room so I know that I'm not alone. Just give me a head nod if you're carrying something heavy. Just give me a head nod so I know that we're not all alone in this place. That you're carrying some stuff and as you're carrying it, you're realizing, man, I'm struggling every single day simply to stand up. I'm struggling every single day to get the things done that I need to get done because I'm so worried about all of the stuff that I have to carry. And Jesus says, bring that to me. Bring that to me where you'll have my strength and you'll have my presence and you'll have my authority. Stop trying to carry this all alone. As heroic as we might think it is to try and carry it alone. As heroic as you might think it is to pull up by our own bootstraps, Jesus says, I can take care of that. I can take care of the health stuff. I can take care of the relational stuff. I can take care of the family coming for Thanksgiving. I can take care of the in-laws and the outlaws. I can take care of this stuff over here. I can take care of all of that. I can take care of you wrestling with the skin of your own identity. I can take care of all that. Just simply bring it to me. And so we're going to do something just a little bit weird today. And the reason that I have permission to do this is because I may never get to come back. So let's try this. I'm going to ask every single person, if you're comfortable enough, to just close your eyes and bow your head. You're going to have a a moment of reflection here. Just a, a time where you get to interact with Jesus. And if this is foreign to you, if this is new to you, I'm just going to ask that you, you just try it today. Just try it. And I want you to ask yourselves just some real questions. Are you trying to carry a lot of stuff right now? Financial stuff, health stuff, relational stuff, work stuff, struggling with who you are, struggling with whose you are, struggling with your past, your guilt, your shame, your pain, your sin, your addiction. And you're just carrying all this stuff, thinking that it's your role and your responsibility to carry it all alone. Or have you brought that stuff to Jesus? Are you willing today to bring that to Jesus? Would you begin to call to mind those things? Would you begin to bring those to the forefront of who you are today and say, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to bring this to you today. I'm going to bring this health worry to you today. I'm going to bring this financial worry to you today. I'm going to bring this relational worry to you today. This job situation, I'm going to bring it to you today. 
this trying to figure out who I am or whose I am, I need to bring that to you today. That you would bring those before Jesus today and leave them at his feet. See, the first step in having a worry-free life, the first step is to run towards him, to seek him first, to cry out to him. And so if you're here today and you've never done that in your life, you've never sought him, you've never dropped things at his feet, if that's you today, we're going to sing a song in a second. I'm going to invite you right over here to the cross, to my left, your right. My friend Adam will be right over there. He would love to speak with you today. For others of us in this room, we've got some worries and some concerns that we are holding on to right now. I'm going to ask that as we sing the song that you would bring those to Jesus in this moment and say, here, I'm ready for you to walk me with, walk through me with this together. God, we thank you. We thank you for the time that we have right here, right now to just be reminded that you're a good God who loves us, who loves us enough to, to get in the middle of our stuff, who loves us enough to, to want to jump in. When we simply cry out, you run to the cry. And so God, today, I ask that this room would just cry out to you. I ask that this room would worship you for who you are, that in spite of their worry, in spite of what they're carrying, that God, they would see you. And that would get smaller and smaller and smaller because of who you are, that our perspective would change when we see how willing and able and powerful you truly are. God, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.